2: Hello and welcome to the Wisdom Cricket Weekly podcast, going daily for the T20 World Cup. Two washouts today, with Ireland, Afghanistan, England and Australia sharing four points between them. But it will take more than a lack of any cricket being played to stop us talking about cricket. We'll discuss how the no-results will affect the chances of those four teams, uh, especially in Australia I suppose. We'll look a bit more at what England need to change, how they're sort of shaping up ahead of a a massive week. uh, And talk about a nice chat that um, one of our panellists had with Harry Brook. Uh, with me today are Wisdom Cricket Monthly magazine editor Joe Harmon and Cam Ponsonby, who joins us from Australia in his uh, in his snorkel and goggles. Uh, Cam, a winch in Australia, sunning yourself, watching some cricket. Has it been everything you dreamed it would be so far?
0: Absolutely. I actually, I, I genuinely don't know how much cricket I've really seen now. Um, I had a nice time in Geelong. I went off to Junction Oval and watched some Sheffield Shield, but uh, no, I was, yeah, the MCG has been. It's on a personal level it's so exciting to be here and cover some matches here and it's just it's just rained so um yeah it's not quite off the bucket list yet but we tried our best
1: mm.
2: right then england nil australia nil uh another t20 world cup thriller with the rain just beating the mcg ground staff joe which of the two sides do you think there's no result benefits
1: um i would say on balance probably england i think if you look at the games that england had remaining before today um you'd say this was probably their hardest just about the kiwis might disagree with that but i'd say in in australia's home conditions i would say this is the hardest so to get a draw out of this one or an abandoned point uh knowing essentially you can correct me if i'm wrong but if they beat new zealand and sri lanka they're more or less certainly through Uh that run rate permitting yeah <laughs> so it's not ultimately any free is it
2: it is really hard to work out i kind of think australia is still better placed because their last two games are easier than england's last two games but if england win those two which you know they're well capable of beating new zealand and sri lanka then they'll be at least tied on points with australia and then it'll be down to net run rate and their net run rate is currently better than australia's so both sides kind of they're sort of dependent on the results it's sort of in their own hands uh, Australia sort of better place being, and maybe the gap is slightly narrower. But yeah,
1: there are too many ifs and buts for me to kind of get <laughs> my head around it. Really, I'm just looking forward to watching some more cricket. It's just aside from all the kind of um, ramifications of today, it's just a crying shame. Not not just for poor Cam, who was hoping to get his first first games at the MCG, but it, it's just well, I think there were sixty thousand fans scheduled to be in there today. So much riding on a game that was being sort of touted almost as a kind of quarter final. Uh, so it's just a massive shame. It it hasn't happened and it's, this has been sort of the trend of the tournament so far. It's either been absolute thriller or washout in the most literal sense and, and not a huge amount in between, really. Um, and England have a little little wait before they play New Zealand in the next game on Tuesday. Tuesday and then Sri Lanka the following Saturday. So it was after that defeat, even though I think this isn't a particularly bad result for England, after the defeat to Ireland, it's... It, they needed to get the kind of a bit of momentum going. So it is disappointing they haven't been able to do that. And that the kind of the question marks around what they do with their side will, will continue for another few days until they play again.
2: Yeah, I kind of wonder from the momentum point of view if this is, if it's also maybe a, a, not the, the worst thing for England to not be playing so soon after. I was just thinking back to the 2019 World Cup when they had that loss to Sri Lanka and then the game against Australia not long afterwards. And it just felt like they went into that. And you could tell from quite a long way out that they were like, their heads weren't really in it that they, they lost that comfortably and that was it was after that they're able to regroup. But in that tournament you could afford a couple of losses back to back. Today defeat would have been disastrous and I could easily have seen them, you know, it's so quick on the back of it, sort of as soon as one thing goes wrong, everything goes wrong kind of thing. Uh I guess better place to talk about the mood in the camp they will be Cam, you're out there, you would what in, in Joss Butler's uh press conference after the Ireland game when he seemed quite frustrated. What what what's your impression of what the mood in the camp is is like, do you think?
0: Yeah, Butler, Butler actually spoke really. I know it's almost like a cliche to say, "Oh, they've spoken well or whatever," but you you hear so many of those cliches trodden out. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna move on from this, etc. But the quote he was going with was like, "We need to let this hurt. Like this was really bad. It's more disappointing because we were expected to win. This is shit." Basically, that's what the, the that's what he was getting across there. And we spoke to kind of Livingston afterwards, and I think, yeah. The, the, there's an embargo on it but it finishes in half an hour so we're all fine um, he basically was asked like are you were you frustrated that you only got to face two balls and you guys didn't go harder earlier and he, he just said yes and that was it and you're kind of like oh okay there's obviously just a t- there was a, just a tangible frustration it was it wasn't a, a sports and persons chat about kind of reacting to a defeat it was two people who obviously kind of deeply cared and would like pissed off that they'd lost what should have been kind of a banker game for them and it's put them in a really difficult position because they are I know they're ahead on that run rate uh, ahead of Australia but Australia will should be Afghanistan and Ireland so you have that pressure on every single game you have to be perfect from here on in to get through and yeah and it, as, as this tournament's shown upsets are happening all the time so the fact that you have to be perfect from now is is a pain and bad
1: hmm
2: yeah, as soon as you mentioned the Livingston thing, because you wrote a piece where you said that the one thing that might make England reflect on is how many balls I guess Moeen and Livingston are facing. Do you think do either of you think there's much England need to change? I guess Stokes at number four looks like being the call that will define England's World Cup one way or another, doesn't it, Joe?
1: Yeah, this is obviously a conversation we've been having quite a long way out from the World Cup and the dynamic has shifted because Stokes has bowled much better than certainly I expected, I think much better than a lot of people expected. So now it's not really does he deserve his place in the team? It's where do you put him? Uh, and Milan Stokes three four, obviously was a mistake, and I think Butler has pretty much acknowledged that. Since the question is, is it a mistake in a full twenty over game that that runs runs its course, or were they just unfortunate because they didn't get to put their strategy into play because the rain came down at a, a, a kind of a bad time for them? my feeling is that it just doesn't work. I, I just think it's not the best use of their resources. They've got, it, it reminds me a little bit of how India have got stuck in, in the past and that they've got all these good players, but almost reputation comes above kind of ability now. And I don't know if Owen Morgan would have fallen into this trap in the same way. I think he might have been slightly more ruthless and said, this is what we need at this particular time. We're going for it rather than Stokes-Bats-Four because it's Ben Stokes. It feels a little bit like that's what's going on with the England side at the moment. And... It'll be fascinating to see what they do against New Zealand. I guess it, you know, it depends what the pitch is looking like. It depends if they're chasing a target, how big that target is. But if they're thinking we need to score two hundred plus, I don't think Milan three, Stokes four is the
0: way to go about it.
2: Mm, yeah. Um, away from today's lack of action, Cam, you had a nice chat with Harry Brook earlier this week.
0: Yeah, it was. It was um, I spoke to Brook yesterday, and he's he's really got like a touch of the geniuses about him. Where I, I, w- I was asking him about basically playing the scoop against 90 miles an hour and he went oh yeah it was well, just fairly self-explanatory really you just kind of shuffle out the way and put your bat out like a pancake and then it goes to six and I was like yeah sweet that's um just answered everything for me thanks for, thanks very much Eric um but no it was it's was, it's it's been quite interesting having yeah just being an outsider and trying to work out what you're seeing in terms of Hussey was doing Mike Hussey, the batting coach out here was doing the press and I asked him like oh what's brooks preparation like what's his structure like how does he go about it and he was telling me oh he's incredibly structured he has his certain throwdowns. he has his front foots back foots he's always got something in the nets and i went and watched england in the nets and i swear to god it just looked like harry Brooke was trying to hit every ball as far as he could i was like what like this guy's just trying to whack it and i asked brook about that went, with the greatest of respect i was told you had like a, a very structured routine and you just hit every ball for six and he was like, "Yeah, but where did I hit the ball for six? It went straight and over square leg." And I was like, "Okay, right. So yeah, you were practicing something. I was just a bit taken away by the by the whole scenario." But it's, it, I think it's it's interesting what he was talking about how you have to vary your uh, game depending on where you play t Twenty. His uh, kind of line he has about twenty twenty cricket is um, low risk, high reward, which kind of is at odds with what potentially where the game's going and potentially where people think about it, which is go you can go harder than you think you can try and hit every ball for six you've got 10 wickets and 20 overs and him having a very batter's mentality of no i'm going to win the game and what's the best way that i can win the game and get this sorted so he kind of in previous interviews he's spoken about being frustrated that he's got caught on the boundary after having hit a six he's like did i need to hit that or could i have knocked my twos and that's a big thing he's talking about in australia is the big square boundaries um using the sweep shot and making sure that you're trying to hit, you're trying to hit it between kind of deep mid wicket and deep square leg, or if there's a backward square leg. So, you know, that if you get it wrong, you don't get it. You're still getting a two basically. And you're kind of, you're trying to hit these pockets of the ground where your maximum reward is a boundary, but your minimum reward, which is still a safe option is one or two. So yeah, it was, <laughs> it was, it was really nice to chat too. It was funny in that the first thing he said, he just went, Oh, the weather is shocking. That was it. I think that's that's kind of the tone of. I can't. I really can't emphasize how damp this city is. Like, we were never ever ever going to play cricket today. Um, After the England Ireland game, the players were talking about how the outfield was a rugby pitch, and then it's had two more days worth of rain on it. And you can see, I can see from here, where like the tractors come on and off the pitch. There's tractor marks. There's like it's it's so damp. Um, And so yeah, I think I think there's probably a frustrated England camp, and it was. I, I think I caught Harry at a good time because he'd just been to the Grey Nichols factory, and so I think I yeah, probably caught him in his happy place, just with a load of cricket bats in the back of his car. So that was my that was my chat with Harry. More lovely guy. Just
1: um, on on your chat with with Brookham, he having looked so fluent in in Pakistan, he got a bit stuck against Ireland. Was it eighteen off yeah. twenty in the end? It didn't. I don't know. It was hard to tell whether he was playing himself in or whether. He just couldn't quite get used to the pace of the pitch. Did, did you get a chance to chat to him about
0: that innings and, and any reflections on what he might do differently? Yeah, I think he just, I think it was as simple as he just thought he batted badly. He just, he, he was talking about the need to be able to turn over the strike and keep things ticking, keep it going. And he just went, and oh, I couldn't do that yesterday. That was it. Like, but he, he didn't say this line yesterday, but it was a line I saw from a previous interview of his where he said, I feel pressure, but I don't feel nerves, basically. And so I don't think, I just, it goes back to his initial kind of like, oh, it's obvious, just scoop it over fine leg for six. Like, I do think with these people who, and he's not there yet, but people who could be these kind of top level athletes, they do just, they are wired in a a way that I'm not actually sure is better or worse than the rest of us, where I think Brook's so content with his game and how he's been playing and confident he will obviously be playing in the next game. He's like, yeah, bad, badly stuff happens I'll make it right against New Zealand so that was my that was my impression of it at least um, and yeah so I think I think I didn't I didn't come away from it uh, worrying that Harry Brook was going to be nervous himself um, going into the next game
2: mm. uh, well that interview is for a feature on all I think of England's new slash returning test players for the Pakistan tour in the next issue of Wisdom Cricket Monthly uh Joe's spoken to Ben Duckett, I've done something on Will Jacks. What was Liam
1: Livingston covered as well. Liam Livingston's covered. Phil's spoken to Keaton Jennings. Yeah, the, the theme is, and we'll no doubt talk about this on the weekly podcast in more depth, but the theme is these kind of blurred lines of red ball, white ball under, under McCullum in a way that we thought these two formats were kind of diverging further and further away from each other. The squad that England have picked for Pakistan, and we don't know if it will work or not, uh, is 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 blurring the lines again in a, in a way that's exciting. going to be fascinating to watch.
2: Mm, well, that. Issue will be out in a couple of weeks, so make sure to check that out. On to the day's other non-game, Ireland's no result against Afghanistan. Uh, Afghanistan have now had one defeat and two washouts, which is unfortunate. They're probably out of the semi-final race. Uh, Ireland, if they win their last two against New Zealand and Australia, admittedly have a chance, but it's still a blow, isn't it, Joe?
1: It is. uh, For Ireland in particular, having kind of coming off the high of that England win and... Historically, they've got a horrendous record uh, in T20 against Afghanistan. They didn't win for a very long time, but they actually beat them three-two in a really good five-match series in Ireland this summer. And actually, given that England, sorry, given that Ireland turned over England, and given the conditions in Australia, I think I might have had Ireland as as narrow favourites heading into this game. Uh, now they've got two difficult games, which you know they could go and win, they could still go through, but this felt their best possible route to go through. Uh, you know, to the semi-finals, dare we say it. And in particular, um, coming in that top four, which guarantees your spot on the next T20 World Cup, which is, which shouldn't be underestimated because those qualifiers are very hard to get through. Mm. Uh, Cam, I'm not a
2: meteorologist, but there has been a lot of rain. Uh, until this year, uh, I saw a stack doing the rounds that there had only been six games of cricket played in Australia, sort of before the start of November in the Australia summer, I suppose. Uh, are we seeing why, or is that too simplistic?
0: No, I think that I think that's a slight. I don't think that's fair, and the reason I say that is because the Australian inter- international summer is December and January, but the Australian cricket summer is October through to ever. So cricket is played out here. It's just it's Sheffield Shield, it's uh, Marsh Cup, or whatever. And like, this is a, this is a, it's La, Ni- La Nina is like the word it's used, which means like an unseasonal event or whatever. It's something basically means, it basically means rain. And the reason it's got a name is because it never happens. And now it's happened for three years in a row. And this tournament was meant to be played here uh, before COVID. So when it was originally announced, like, <laughs> yes, Melbourne gets a bit of rain, but this is like completely unheard of levels. I don't think you can blame the ICC except for put, putting it here and thinking that it was a risk. Um, will it have a knock-on effect? Almost, almost definitely. In that, you'll probably if Australia hosts another event, they might go February or March. Um, but base, basically, it's like it's like if England hosted a uh, an international had their international in like the last couple of weeks of April. Like cricket is still played at this time um maybe that's a poor example because it might have rained a lot more in april i don't know but um no i don't i don't think there should be i don't think the icc should be getting kind of a stick across the back for hosting this tournament here because it is it's it's just been it's it's unprecedented events i think that's the that's the phrase that's meant to be used apart from last year and the year before but before then never happened and also, there's quite a lot of those,
1: not just in Australia, around the world. It's becoming increasingly difficult to find a place that is going to be either a reasonable temperature or not rain or not have storms. I mean, this, unfortunately, is the world we now live in.
0: It's of climate changing across the world. I haven't, I haven't heard too much about it, but I think it's meant to be quite important, basically.
2: It's a, a nice cheery note to, to almost end on. Uh, but finally, we had a message from, uh, from Joss in County Sligo, a long-time listener of the show from Ireland. He has a special request uh, he asks, can you, or one of the other wonderful guests on the show, please, please, oh my God, please pr- pronounce Fionn Han's name correctly? Aussie Stadium announcers, Caribbean commentators and the whole shebang in between have been saying his name as, if, as two syllables and I'd love to hear one person just say Fionn properly. Well, I've given it a go twice. <laughs> Joss, I'm sure <laughs> will let me know if I've messed up and we will get there in the end. Does anyone else want to have a go? Because um, if, if, if the more of us that try it, the more likely we are to Get it right, I suppose.
0: Or make a mistake. Yes. Yeah. So what I would say for your pronunciation is I don't even know what name you've said. So that's how well I think. <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about.
2: Fion. Yeah, that 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 sounds better than mine. I reckon. All right. Um. Good. But I think that that's anyway quite enough for a day with no cricket.
0: Um. Could... looks so confused. I think. <laughs> I, I genuinely, I I have no idea what player we're currently talking about, and that that's okay. That's fine.
2: Fionn Hand, he, he bowled the uh, the beautiful ball to Stokes uh, on Wednesday.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah now, now I know. I, uh, that's fine. Fionn oh. Hand, that's all I've got. This is the problem because we've
1: got so used to the mispronunciation yes. that when you pronounce it right, we don't know who you're talking about. Yes. That's the problem in a nutshell.
2: Mm, so a uh, uh, labashane, Labaskakny situation. Uh, Anyway, that's quite enough for a day with no cricket. Uh, Svlanka take on New Zealand tomorrow, an important game for for both sides, obviously still in semi-final contention. Only one point separating what first and last in that group. So it is nicely set up, even if it's a shame that it's the rain that sort of got it in that situation. But anyway, come back then for discussion on that game and I'm sure plenty of other stuff too. Thanks for listening.
1: Podcast Network.